We have with us uh, Karim Mezran. He is the director of the North Africa Initiative and resident senior fellow at Atlantic Council, uh, Rafiq Hariri Center for the Middle East. Uh, and we also have Talha Kyose. He's joining us from Turkey. He's a senior researcher with the SETA Foundation in Istanbul. He's also the chair of the Political Science and International Relations Department at Ibn Haldun University. Uh, we are, we feel privileged to have both of them. Um, there aren't many people, to be honest, who are experts on Libya, who know Libya well, uh, but uh, both Karim and Talha are, um, are very knowledgeable about uh, Libya and what's happening. Uh, in international uh, media, we've been following news coming out of Libya uh, there are many different factions fighting each other, and there are many different countries with interests uh, supporting different groups. Uh, it has turned into a, a geopolitical competition uh, at the regional level. So it's, it's, it looks like a battleground for different powers. But of course, Libya has its own dynamics since the uh, beginning of the Arab Spring, since the fall of uh, Gaddafi. Uh, many things happened in that country. Uh, with European interests, Russian interests, U.S. and uh, Turkish interests all at play. Um, we find ourselves at a rather complicated uh, geopolitical strategic situation. So we'll try to make sense of that today. Um, and uh, apologies for the, some of the technical glitches earlier on. But uh, we are actually starting with Talha Kyose. Uh, he's going to talk to us about Turkey, what Turkey is thinking about uh, Libya, what, what Turkey's interests are, what the priorities are. Uh, we, we are looking forward to listening to him because in recent months, Turkey's involvement has, has made the big news in, in international media and what Turkey might be trying to achieve there is, is, a lot, is, is of interest to both experts and uh, followers of, of the Middle East. So Talha, um, Please go ahead and for your in introductory remarks. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Kadir, for inviting and it's a pleasure to be uh, with Kerim Mezran. So I would like to briefly give uh, the background and Turkey's objectives, and maybe we can discuss other details in the Q&A session. So to give a brief background, uh, uh, so we have been part of a research team focusing on countering violent extremism in Libya. So we had an opportunity to engage uh, with many civilian actors, local actors in the field. However, in the last couple of months, uh, maybe in the last year, uh, the main focus have been uh, predominantly on the military field. So on April 4, 2019, uh, warlord Khalifa Haftar started his well-funded and well-supported campaign to take over Libya's capital Tripoli and to topple the international recognized government of national accord of uh, Prime Minister Prince uh, Fiazel Saraj. So Haftar forces were successful to take over many cities in the Western Libya and encircled the Tripoli. So just a couple of months ago, in the beginning of the January, Russian mercenaries were several kilometers inside the Tripoli, taking co control of uh, some key buildings and engaging into an urban warfare against the uh, pro-GNA forces. So Chinese being long two drones that were provided by the UAE and the Haftar's rockets were hitting the critical locations and targeting the civilian infrastructure in uh, GNA controlled areas in the Western Libya. So some cities were forced to turn their allegiance to Haftar and LNA, LNA and the coalition that were supporting Haftar, UAE, Egypt, France, and Saudi Arabia were quite confident about a swift victory in Libya for the Haftar side. So uh, Russian mercenaries, Sudanese, and Chadian uh, mercenaries played key roles in the front lines of the fight against the progeny forces. So that, that, this is the, in general, uh, in a military structure, uh, actually, they came very close to taking uh, control of, uh, over uh, Tripoli in the beginning of the January, early 
February. So two key agreements actually between the GNA and Turkey on late 2019 changed the course of the civil war in Libya. So GNA signed the military cooperation agreement and maritime boundary del delimitation agreement with Ankara on November. So despite GNA's weak position against the pro-Haftar coalition, uh, Ankara decided to work with internationally recognized government in Tripoli. So Turkey's military support the GNA, especially the effective drone warfare, changed the balance of power on the field. So it didn't happen immediately, but it, uh, it gradually uh, take, uh, you know, changed the situation in Libya. So uh, technologically advanced uh, Turkish reconnaissance and drone, uh, you know, drones, uh, Bayraktar drones, uh, and military advisors uh, from Turkish side and uh, Syrian fight, uh, fighters on the ground had uh, reversed uh, uh, LNA's gains. So, uh, and GNA started to control uh, certain towns closer to the Tunisia. And most important, actually, victory was the taking of the Watia airbase near, near Tunisian airport. So, Turkish TB2 drones uh, destroyed several. Uh, Russian uh, Panzer uh, defense systems. I think the one significant turning point was capture of Al Watia Air Base, which was used uh, as a base for attacking uh, Tripoli from the LNA side. And it was also close to Tunisian border and it also put some pressure on uh, Tunisia. It's one of the largest, I think, uh, air uh, bases in the Northern Africa. And Gioni also managed to take the control of Yarmouk, El Sawari, and Hamza camps south of the capital, uh, Tripoli. And Yarmouk base was controlled by Russian mercenaries of Wagner Group. So after the taking control of the you know Yarmouk base, uh, Russian mercenaries moved to uh, Benivelit. Then uh, they are heading to Jufra Air Base. So we don't exactly know what will happen uh, to them, but GNA let. Uh, Wagner forces to leave from Benivelit and Jufra, so they aren't uh, attacked. So they were uh, given uh, two days period of exit. And uh, while these things have been happening, the Tobruk based House of Representatives uh, Speaker Akila Salih also expresses disdain for Haftar plan to uh, announcing political initiative was his uh, own. So he canceled actually uh, he, uh, you know, Libya political agreement, which was signed in uh, Suheirat uh, in uh, Morocco. And also uh, he said, uh, Haftar side said they will not be bounded uh, with the House, House of Representatives, which is also a significant turning point in terms of Haftar's popular support. So one key uh, actually uh, comment from yesterday uh, from the AFRICOM commander, General Stefan Townsend uh, is interesting because it demonstrates uh, the involvement of Russia in the uh, cases of, uh, in the case of uh, Libya. So Townsend uh, said that, uh, you know, uh, Russia is increasingly involving in uh, Libya, uh, like in the case of uh, Syria. So, you know, uh, this is a military footprint of Russia and uh, several uh, fighter jets, uh, you know, fourth generation fighter jets, uh, you know, MiG-29s uh, have been observed coming from Russia to Syria, uh, Syria to uh, Jufra uh, Air Base. So this uh, may be a threat uh, against the uh, if the Russia uses these planes and tries to settle in Libya, this may be a threat to NATO, and this may turn into a broader uh, Russian presence within the Africa. So, actually, the African uh, signed that this is a you know significant event and signaled uh, you know criticism towards this. Of course, the Russian authorities denied uh, you know Russian presence. Uh, they told that this is a Wagner presence. Uh, so Andrei Krasnov, member of defense committee in uh, Russia's lower house and Vladimir Zaborov, first deputy head of the upper house of international efforts, uh, actually uh, denied Russian presence. So I think this is the situation where we are. So, so far Americans uh, were not 
involved very much. And we are at the stage where uh, the fight is coming to an end in the uh, western part of uh, Libya. So if the Tarhuna is taken by the JNA forces, and if the Russian mercenaries leaves, uh, the western parts of the Libya will be controlled. So, and, but still we don't know what's going to happen uh, in the coming uh, you know, weeks. So the, the critical thing is, I think Turkey, so three countries play a significant role as turning point in Libya. So UAE's involvement, Turkey's involvement and Russian involvement, I think were the three uh, critical turning points. So why Turkey involved in the Libyan case, Libyan situation? I think we have to understand a broader uh, strategy of Eastern Mediterranean uh, in Turkey. So several actors uh, formed Eastern Mediterranean, um, you know, uh, gas forum. So seven countries actually, Greece, Southern Cyprus, Egypt, Israel, Jordan, Palestine, Italy formed the forum. And on January 2020, France also wanted to join the forum and US requested to be permanent observer in this forum. So Ankara was already being uh, pushed and encircled in the Eastern Mediterranean. And there were plans and maps actually promoted by uh, uh, Greek side, Greek Cypriots, Egypt and Israel that's encircling Turkey in the Antalya coast. So uh, Turkey felt really uh, threatened about those policies, those plans to encircle Turkey in the you know, Eastern Mediterranean. So in order to counter this, Turkey formulated its blue homeland doctrine, which aimed to protect Turkey's geopolitical interests in the region. So uh, actually the maritime agreement and the military cooperation agreement with Libya, GNA was done along this blue homeland doctrine and blue homeland plan. Actually, uh, some people argue that this is an offensive thing, but in, indeed uh, it is a defensive uh, you know, policy and plan to save Turkey's interest and to prevent Turkey's encirclement uh, in the Eastern Mediterranean. Uh, uh, because Turkey's uh, NATO allies have been involved in Turkey's encirclement. So Greece, uh, France uh, have been involved uh, in this uh, policy. So Turkey really felt threatened in the uh, Mediterranean uh, section. Of course, there was another level uh, in the land side, Turkey felt threatened in the Syrian border. So Russian and Iranian presence in the uh, east of the Euphrates and PKK, the American, uh, you know, uh, supported YPG in the, you know, uh, western, uh, eastern uh, part of the uh, Euphrates. So Turkey felt that from both seaside and from the land, uh, Turkey is being, uh, you know, encircled. So in order to change this game, uh, you know, decided to uh, reach some uh, maritime agreement with Libya. And also, uh, Turkey also needs, uh, you know, want to benefit from the natural gas and oil resources from the, uh, you know, Eastern uh, Mediterranean region. So those East, Eastern Mediterranean gas forum excludes Turkey and Ismet pipeline also excludes Turkey. So in order to also prevent the emergence of, uh, you know, gas and pipeline game that excludes Turkey, Turkey wanted to get involved uh, in this uh, region. And also, uh, you know, counter-revolutionary policies and plans of United Arab Emirates that's uh, also destabilizing Turkey with the help of Egypt, uh, Saudi Arabia, and with the contribution of uh, France is also uh, threatening Turkey's uh, geopolitical and uh, interest in the region. So in order to counterbalance this thing, uh, Turkey gets uh, involved and Turkey presence actually is important in the sense that advisory in terms of uh, advising uh, military, Turkish presence is important, providing the drones it's important and some uh, Syrian um, uh, have been also involved uh, in the fight. However, I think that we should consider Turkey's presence in Libya as counterbalancing rather than, uh, you know, a, a project that aims to take, uh, com, you know, uh, entire uh, Libya by force. And uh, the process which actually lead, uh, led to Turkey's involvement is Turkey's success.
success in breaking the, you know, Qatar's uh, CH. I think that was very important because uh, after that, uh, GNA forces decided to invite Turkey to, you know, counter balance. So right now, I think there's an advancement of GNA forces. It seems that in the coming uh, days, coming weeks, uh, GNA is likely to control, uh, you know, the Western part of uh, Libya, but the situation is so unclear. So it can go to, you know, various uh, situations. So I talked about, you know, I, I would like to talk about scenarios, but, you know, this is in general, the situation and Turkey's interest. So Turkey sees that it's a part of a geopolitical encirclement, economic encirclement, and feels threats, uh, threatened about the coalition, uh, you know, occurring against Turkey. So Turkey does not necessarily see Libya as an isolated event. It is part of a, a larger package and uh, alliance with Libya is considered as a broader uh, uh, strategic uh, effort by Turkey. So, Kadir, I'm going to stop here and we can talk about Thanks. the scenarios later. Thank you, Talha. Thank you for this uh, great overview. Uh, Dr. Mazran, I want to turn to you, please, uh, for your introductory remarks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very, thank you very much, Kadir. Thank you very much, Talha. With your presentation, you have said almost everything there is to say, but you have also showed us, uh, illustrated very well, what is the main problem of Libya in and of itself. It is, it is what somebody called the internationalization of a local conflict or the globalization of a conflict. But by using this word, what they mean is that what at the beginning was a revolt of a people against a dictator and then the, 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 the assessment on the ground of local interest, fighting with other local interests, and having international support for the, for the fight. For, for, for the, for the realization of, of these local objectives, it has become the opposite as it is today. Starting in 2014 with the creation by the Egyptians and the Emirates of, of, the, of the strength of Haftar and creating him as an army, and then, and then other countries intervening in other areas, has made Libya simply uh, not anymore the major actor in its own, in its own reality, but simply a pawn. Yeah, among many other chess chess players. So, it, as Tal has said about, 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 about Turkey, Libya has become one aspect of a, of a geopolitical uh, issue, one aspect of, of a power, power, power projection of the single states. You have this, so you have Egyptians acting in a certain way, <coughs> Russians acting in a certain way, and we can always discuss about this thing in the second moment. The Emirates pursue their policy, whether it's for ideology, whether it's for interest, whether it's for uh, friendship or whatever. The, the, the reasons for, 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 for each state are many. The, 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 the idea of projecting power can be motivated by, 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 by fa factors and reasons of, of, of the same level. And, and going there and thinking about why you do this, why that certain state does this, for the reason, for the other reason, it's, it's irrelevant. What becomes relevant is that the situation that gets created is a situation with no solution. That's why two things were, were very important to, 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 to do when we talk about Libya. First of all, it has been a big lack by the United Nations and the international community in trying to, to bring a good negotiation in Libya, is that of understanding in the Libyan section, but within the context of this geopolitical clash of countries, uh, assessments of powers due to American, perceived American retreat or, or, or uh, Chinese expansion or Russian intervention, whatever that is, we have to understand what every power, regional power or, or global power has in, in, within, 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 within the Libyan territory. That, in other words, is to have, they have created a chamber of compensation where an actor would say, what is the real minimal interest of Egypt, of Algeria, of Italy, of France in the Libyan theater? How can that be reconciled with the legitimate expectation of the groups on the ground that they support? And therefore create a real, a real negotiation on concrete aspects and move on. This has not been done. The United Nations carried the negotiation with, with, with sometimes irrelevant actors or the, did not address important issues with the relevant actors. So therefore, it's like, 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 like the gangrene, 
it, it get its roots within the territory, and, and now it's extremely difficult to move it away. Through, at this point, once we do make the effort of understanding all these geopolitical issues that are only represented in minimal part, in minimal part in Libya, one has also to go concretely on the ground and see what are the opportunities now to bring peace or a series of negotiations in Libya, the possibility to work between groups. I think that the situation has gotten very complicated. Complicated because this year of attack against Tripoli has raised a lot of, a, a lot of emotions. A lot of people have been killed, people have been displaced, random bombing of civilians, human rights violations. These are all things that carry a heavy weight in, in Western Libya, at least, but, but, but also in the East, as we have seen recently, as soon as after has been perceived as losing, within, behind his shoulder, in Cyrenaica, you had some movement of tribes, groups, some, some protests, some, some, some malcontent is beginning to, beginning to emerge. Same thing as in the, in the Western area. Now, I, I don't know what this, the Turkish intervention has been resulted and has, has saved probably Serraj and his government and, and will probably succeed in pushing half their forces at least up to, up to, 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 to the Sirte Jufra line. And, and I don't know about the South, how much will be able to take control of. The, the, the primary question, in my opinion, and even now is, is possible to create a negotiation between various interests with a person like Haftar present? I think that that's not possible. I think that the first step in order to, to stop talking about political solution or military solution is that Haftar has to be retire or be taken out of the equation in the sense that I don't think that any commander, any political figure of Western Libya can in this moment sit and negotiate with Haftar. This to me, it's, 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 almost, I perceive it's almost an impossibility. If, if that happens, that we go beyond the Haftar moment and and the, and the eastern part of, the, of Libya can produce political figures that, that can negotiate with the West. I believe that the United Nations should, 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 should really intervene rapidly and create a negotiation to, to, to keep the country united. If this doesn't happen, I think that the partition becomes really uh, almost, almost a, a fact. If the Russians, are, are really interested in saving Haftar and not, and, 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 and not only in saving the, the, the listed parts from a counter-offensive counter of, of the Misurati and the, the Tripolitani. They will have to understand that, that they have to play on, 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 on other horses if you want to really, really get to, to, to an, a, a negotiated solution that keeps the country United under Russian Turkish influence, that then will be integrated by the other members of the international community, and a system can be created so so so, so that the country can be kept can be kept united, all can 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 be can be freed and, and sold, and 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 we can, we can move towards a better solution. If this doesn't happen, I. I really have a hard time thinking that the, 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 the Russians and the Emirates will scale up and engage against Turkey and the GNA troops an all-out war. I am more of the opinion of those that say that in this moment what the states are trying to do is create a stalemate in such a way that negotiations can be done, seriously negotiations can be done, either outside between the foreign powers and inside between legitimate Libyan actors to try to have a ceasefire that is more permanent and try to find the structure for, for this country to go and, and, and resolve the interest that these, are, these external powers have in the country. Problems. 
as what are the Europeans and the Americans doing. I think that the, the Europeans made themselves particularly irrelevant in, in this context. The rivalry between Greece and Turkey and France and Turkey has pitted NATO countries one against the other. Italy has withdrawn from, 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 from its leading role. They never had it, but thought it had. And now it's completely out of it. The United States are disinterested so far in, in, in what they're going to do. They are becoming interested because of this geopolitical dynamics of the Russian interventions, the Emirate, Turkish potential clash. These are big issues that the Americans do, do care about. They don't care necessarily about what are, what's happening in Libya. As, as long as what's happening in Libya does not condition the behavior of, of, of her own allies. They do not want to see one against the other. So probably the United States will, will, will try diplomatically to, 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 to gather more strength and more, and more effectivity and, and try to mediate between these various realities before, before something too bad, too difficult happens. Um, at this point, I'd like to stop here and be ready for questions. Thank you, Karim. Uh, actually, one of the early questions was about your uh, comment when at the beginning, when we were just uh, discussing the panel, you had mentioned Turkey's, you know, uh, being at odds with its NATO allies, but you came to that subject just now at the end, you answered that question. So they, they wanted you to repeat that last statement. If you want to elaborate on uh, that, that a bit more, I, I can let you do that, and then I'll turn yeah. to Talha. Yeah, just, just a minute. It seems to me evident that this is the big, big, big contradiction. Turkey intervened in Libya to defend the legitimacy, the legitimate internationally recognized government. You had countries within Europe, like France, like Italy, Italy to a certain extent, Greece, and, and others, who did not like this intervention. And effectively condemned the Turkish expansionism and also the Turkish signature of the Maritime Treaty and all of that. This to me is a big problem for the Americans because they they find allies within the same organization, which is essential for for for, for, for the Western world, one pitted against the other. And this is a big, big problem. Uh, if if there is a Turco Russian or Turco-French clash. What is NATO going to do? What are the Europeans going to do? What, what, what is them? What are the Americans going to do? Are they going to support the Turks and defend the regime of government? Are they going to support the French or, or the Emirates who are their allies at the same time against the Turks? It's potentially, all I want to say is that within a clear organization like NATO, it is a, a grenade, it is a bomb in the middle of it. Thank you, Karim. Uh, you don't find it as a healthy dynamic within NATO, basically, that, that Turkey is doing one thing and Italy and Greece. Uh, but, but, you know, uh, just to maybe extend a little bit, you know, Turkey, uh, Greece, um, disagreements over the Aegean and the, the waters, Mediterranean waters, have been around for a long time. Time and despite the fact that they're both NATO members and they have had dogfights along the uh, Aegean Sea for for a long time, so that kind of uh, tension somehow was managed for years. Uh, but now, on a, on in the context of Libya, do you find that particularly more dangerous, or or how do you see that? It is particularly more dangerous. Mm -hmm. There are French ships, that, uh, Operation Irina, which has alternative Greek command. What about if they see a, a Turkish ship, they think they're bringing weapons to, to Tripoli and they try to stop it and a, a clash incurs and a, a, a warship from Turkey comes to support. I mean, these are all things that can happen anytime yeah. because yeah. you have issues on the ground. So it, 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 it is much different than uh, two states managing their enmity from a mess 
that happens on the ground, where, where the situation can, can, can escape controlling in an instant. Thank you, Karim. Uh, Talha, I want to turn to you. There was, um, I, my question was going to be about Russia, and there's already a question about that. Um, so I was going to ask you what, how Turkey manages the relationship with Russia in the context of both you know, Syria and Libya. And Rhonda Slim is uh, asking from the Middle East Institute, going forward and depending on how developments unfold in Libya, do you foresee the Russian-Turkish divergent interests in Libya negatively impacting their cooperative arrangements in northern Syria? Um, how would you respond to sort of Turkey managing uh, its ongoing sort of relatively, you know, good relationship with Russia at the economic level and political level, but then on the ground in both Syria and Libya, they're at odds. But in Syria, there has been a recent cooperative agreement. So how do you see that dynamic playing out? So uh, from the beginning, I think that this Idlib deal was fragile. So I think there's already elements of fragility in the Idlib deal. And uh, the, you know, Libya's situation makes it even more fragile. So uh, one way or another, um, you know, Russia is involved. So we know that the withdrawal of the Wagner troops uh, are allowed uh, in coordination. So that seems that there's co you know, coordinated withdrawal from Benivelit and you know, from Benivelit to Jufra. So if this withdrawal is not a tactical withdrawal in order to you know, reorganize, and if no you know, uh, attack has been coordinated by Russian side, I think this may be managed, but if Russia wants to stay in the game and further escalate, I think this will make everything much more difficult in Syrian side as well. So there's a potential there, but I think we are also forgetting another actor. So uh, it is United Arab Emirates who invited Russia to this game. So the Wagner group or another, you know, whatever we call it, it is the UAE that brought uh, Russia and also supported by uh, Egypt. So for the time being, positive relations, coordinated relations between Turkey and Russia allows withdrawal of Wagner. But what is the end goal of this Wagner? So are they gonna be staying in the Eastern part of the country? Are they gonna be you know, uh, trying to uh, have their own base? Uh, or you know, are they gonna just withdraw? So this will be, uh, but in any case, uh, this gives uh, Russian side another bargaining chip uh, in Syria and in Libya. So it actually makes its negotiation position even uh, stronger. So what makes this possible is there is no NATO response, there is no American response, and there is no EU response. Actually, this is threatening the security of Mediterranean region. So if Russia has a base there, if they uh, station uh, some of their, you know, uh, air defense systems, that's a threat not to Turkey, but the entire you know, Mediterranean, and it's also threatens the NATO. So unfortunately, NATO's uh, unwillingness to engage or you know, counter uh, Russia, uh, or uh, we have heard from the uh, you know, AFRICOM, uh, so this is the first you know, military response. I think this will be taken very seriously by Russians, to what extent they will uh, use this is very important. So the risks is higher because of the Russian involvement, but uh, as uh, if we take uh, Sergei Lavrov's uh, you know, uh, explanation, so we have to go through diplomatic, if it is sincere diplomatic effort, it may move in the positive direction. But in any case, Russian presence in Libya makes it much more risky uh, in Turkish-American relations and also broader regional security. So there's quite a few questions. Uh, so I want to run through them for sure. With, uh, instead of spending more time with my questions, uh, there are very overlapping questions anyway. Uh, one question to both of you is, how close is Turkey to reaching its goals in Libya? Uh, and what is the status, status quo that the leading regional powers involved in the country would accept. Uh, let's go to Karim, please. 
What was the first question? Uh, how close do you think is Turkey to reaching okay. its goals in Libya? They, they made a major step forward by, by, by defeating the, the, the RNA around Tripoli, pushing it back. They probably have, have reached what they want to do, that is being the power that saved the GNA, that will, will exercise hegemonic influence over, over, over the west of Tripolitania. I don't think the Turks are interested in the whole of Libya. They know that it would not be possible to, to, to engage in the conquest of the old scenario. So they, I think that they are happy to, to be the savior of the GNA, which is the international recognized government, saving the city of Tripoli, pushing, pushing back the Haftar mercenaries and, and these people, and, and reestablishing some, some, some influence over Libya. I think that that is their point. Now, of course, they have to, set, to settle that. That's why we are talking about negotiation with the Russians, with the Emirates, because they have to find a permanent solution. They cannot just say permanently armed against each other at 15 miles from each other, uh, waiting for a counter-invasion or something like that. They, they, the real issue in the, in the, in the next few, 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 few months, if, if this is the trend, will be on what terms do you have a negotiation? On what terms do you with what powers exercise enough influence over the East versus those who have influence the West can find a negotiated term. <coughs> the second? Second question was about sort of what kind of uh, status quo would these regional powers accept uh, uh, going forward? Like what kind of scenario? You mentioned that I, you didn't think that it could Haftar needed to be out somehow. But do you think the regional powers would be happy with the current kind of situation or do I they think, need think, to find a solution? I think that they, that they, they, they are not happy with how Haftar handled the situation. I think that they, I'm sure there must be some really double second thinking in Abu Dhabi and in Cairo about this guy that has been there for four years, destroyed half of the country, created a military regime in the eastern part that now is crumbling. So probably, probably what they have to do is they have to, that's why there was some talking about Aguila Sala or other people. They have to make sure that a, a quorum of stateness, a quorum of unity in the east is maintained and then negotiated. They have, you have to have to a hurting statement between two parts. You have to have a situation in which the west cannot stay like this and the east cannot stay like this. They have to find a way to talk. Haftar is a, a, a figure that is too too, too polarizing. It will not be possible to have this situation created. And this and this statement is, I think it, it, it's convenient for all. It's convenient for the Emirates at a certain point. It's convenient for the Russians. It's convenient for the, for, for the Turks. A situation in which you stop the war and you start, seeing, if it's possible to keep Libya united with figures that are going to work with it, fine. If it's not possible, then it will, it will be partitioned and it will be what it is. Mm -hmm. Talha, do you want to add anything to, to yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, I think Turkey's position wasn't too ambitious in Libya. So Turkey just wanted to prevent toppling of the GNA and also initiate uh, a negotiation process. So yes, successfully, uh, I think the, you know, Tripoli is saved. However, uh, bringing a broader uh, peace process is very difficult. Turkey cannot achieve itself. I think United Nations, NATO, other actors should be involved constructively. And we don't see those signs. Unfortunately, Turkey is not on page with other constructive actors. On the other hand, UAE, Egypt may be, you know, destabilizing, uh, playing the spoiler role. So there are some spoiler, potential spoiler actors, but there are not too many actors that may be willing to contribute uh, positive diplomatic engagement. So uh, for the time being, uh, the best option for Turkey is to consolidate uh, GNA's position in the Western part of the country and also not to be, uh, you know, not to completely sideline uh, the Eastern Libya. So there are, you know, actors that may be moderate in uh, Benghazi and Tobruk. So uh, I think not losing those actors is also very important. So that's why uh, Turkey will not engage in another military escalation in other parts of the Libya. Libya, the uh, Turkish 
sites will encourage GNA to engage with the actors, political actors there, but there are enough international spoilers that may prevent those actors to engage constructively. So that's the limitation. Yeah. So Talha, there is quite a few questions about Turkey, but I want you to answer rather short if you can. But one of the questions from uh, Alan Makowski is, uh, is the Turkish fear of encirclement seen in military terms as well as economic terms? Uh, does Ankara see Israeli-Greek, Greek-Cypriot cooperation uh, or the wider Eastern Mediterranean gas forum grouping as an evolving military alliance? Is that is yes, seen? Yes, I think this is not just seen an economic alliance. Actually, it is seen as a, uh, I mean, it has some economic uh, carrots but I think the overall goal objective is seen as political and may uh, even uh, turn into a, uh, a military alliance or some ex joint exercises. So Turkey, yes, I mean, the economic side is definitely important. You know, the Eastern Mediterranean gas, uh, uh, you know, balance is very important, but more importantly, Turkey sees this as a more of a political move that may also turn into some uh, form of uh, military cooperation in that stance. So Turkey is actually isolated in that ground and this is seen as a, a political and militarily long-term uh, threat to Turkey's uh, interests. Thank you, Talha. Uh, there's still more questions on Turkey, but I want to switch gears and talk, talk about other actors. Karim, if you can address this question about uh, motives of uh, Haftar's supporters, such as France and the UAE. What is their game plan? Do you think what what why do they support Haftar? As I said before, it, it is not possible to pinpoint any, any interest in particular. It, 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 each state, each national interest exemplifies its national interest with a whole bunch of motives. The Emirates have the authoritarian issue. They do not want to see democracies succeed in the Middle East in, in the neighborhood. So they do try to antagonize the, the, the realization of the democratic. They have the Islamist obsession, which is the other, the other strange theory, where, where they, they will never allow a Muslim Brotherhood or a political Islam government state. So they, 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 they will em employ all they can to prevent that from. They did it in Egypt, they, 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 they do it in Libya, they are trying to do it in Tunisia. Uh, God knows what, if they tried in Morocco, in Nigeria, or in other places. But that is one thing. Then there is all the other, the, 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 the other potential issues. Economics, and, and you mentioned, controlling uh, an oil producing country. There is uh, the the international financial issue. There is the, 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 the whole plethora of, of, of interest that, that, that makes it such a way that the Emirates are supporting Egypt to support the takeover of Libya, put Libya in the hands of a general Assisi kind of, they, they, they thought that Haftar could be something like what Al-Sisi is in Egypt, they could be in Libya, that keeps control, keeps the situation down, control, allows them to do their business, allows them to do their France, same thing. I, I had to deal a lot with the interests of France in overthrowing Gaddafi in 2011. And, and even looking at that, you had personal reasons of Sarkozy, total geopolitical issues. It, it's a whole plethora of things. So France has its own interest in the southern part of Libya. They want to. They thought they could get control of the whole of the country. They would have loved to have control of the country for, 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 for business. For plus the fact they are closely inter interested in <coughs> in the in the Emirati buying the weapons. So there is a whole influence there between the relationship between France and the Emirates that that might convince them to to militate in favor of Haftar for a takeover of the whole country. And so on. For every country, you can easily pinpoint five, six different interests. Yeah. Um, I want to continue with Karim. Uh, you um, can you answer this question? Do you expect in, uh, any shifts in the U.S. position or a different role to play in Libya um, under Trump or or in a, in a different administration? Uh, 
it will be too late for the different administration. It has to come before some, 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 some form of change. I don't know whether this administration is equipped to, do, to deal with this change. I think they like to keep the can and, and wait and see. But if they want to have to do something, they have to do something with the United Nations and so really exercise all their diplomatic power and effort to, to seriously have a stop, a ceasefire on the ground and then bring all these various actors to a negotiating table and, and guide it. Will the Americans do that? I, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that they have the capacity. I'm not sure that they have the willingness. I'm not sure that they have the political vision. Or, or they actually have the interest. You know, anytime we ask the Americans, they, say that, they just say Libya is number 125 of our priorities. So I'm not sure that there will be, we're going to see the much needed change in American administration. There is always the, 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 the temptation, although I think that now is passed, of, of, of bonapartism, of just going for, for, for the strong man that, that, that would take care of the situation that is present in large part of the administration. But it's not possible. So I'm not sure that we will see major change. And by the time, they would, if there is a change of administration, it's a year and a half. Thank you, Karim. Taha, there's another question uh, on Turkey. Tur what role will Turkey's intervention play, if any, in addressing the fractious na nature of the GNA's coalition of militias? Will the Libyan actors in the GNA be able to balance their increasing ties with the Turkish government without ceding their sovereignty? I think it will be very difficult. So one of the difficulties in the GNA side is the fragmented nature of their militias. I think it's very important to empower some of the local actors, for instance, the Minister of Internal Affairs, Fethi Bashaga. So Libyans should do themselves. I mean, that was the most difficult part in Syria as well. The reason why Syrian uh, opposition really devastated during the civil war was the fragmentation and there is a potential for similar thing in Libya as well. So there are strong militias, but they don't really make uh, coordinated uh, actors. So they can be easily fragmented. I mean, what really changed the situation in Libya, we have to recognize also the presence of uh, Syrian actors and also Turkey's coordination. So Libyans should achieve themselves. If they continue to act in a fragmented you know, way, I think that well, that may be a difficult situation. And uh, Libya's geopolitical and cultural uh, background is also, uh, you know, supporting this kind of fragility. So, uh, you know, one key issue is to uh, making, you know, state making and bringing all these uh, fragmented actors uh, together. So there should be some incentives to be part of uh, the GNA and there should be also some threats. So this will continue to be a major problem for GNA. So uh, they can be easily manipulated. Some actors can also switch their sides. So this will continue to be one of the most significant uh, weaknesses of the GNA if it is not handled now so a victory can unite them. So this kind of victory, if this continues like this in the next couple of weeks, uh, this may give new sentiment, but in the long term, I think there needs to be uh, a new grassroots level reorganization of Libya. I mean, in our reports for, you know, country violent exhibits, we also mentioned that nation building efforts also needs uh, to be, uh, you know, uh, done in the Libyan case. Otherwise, uh, they will continue to be fragmented like this. So uh, I think this will be the most difficult situation uh, for Libya. And there is no uh, magic formula in this regard. I think there should be both carrots and sticks to bring them together. Karim, how do you see the possibility that Talha just raised about different militia groups, different uh, fragmented groups kind of uh, coming to the side of the winner if there are more military victories in that sense? Do you see uh, this being resolved? Uh, I mean, it's pretty clear, I think, from what you said that you think there has to be a diplomatic process, but 
if there's a there are, there are more there's a series of military victories how would that work no that's why there is a red line that's what i think the the the, the sending of the russian airplanes in jufra and and other and withdrawing the wagner people into jufra itself is like saying we give up that but you don't even dream about passing over here so everybody knows if that, that, that there's going to be the victory it will be stopped at sirt and uh, and, and, and along the area so I really don't see a continuation of the war beyond that point. The Turks don't want it. No. What I was saying though is that what we have noticed, especially in the last two, three months, it was before. Before the attack of Haftar, Fatih Bashaga had done a lot of work into recreating the police, trying, trying to amalgamate them, the Marjorie militias. The attack brought back the militia in the south, but then with the Turks, coming in and trying to reorganize, there has been a lot of changes on the ground. They have been reorganized, the communication has been created. I'm, I'm positive that we will not see the moment they return to the various militias. There has been a lot of, a lot of changes on the ground between them. Commanders, somebody ran away, somebody fought with others. In, in the, so, uh, it's one of the few things, one of the things I'm optimistic. I think that Libyans, especially Tripolitania, they've learned the situation. They've they, they, they learned that they need to overcome this, this, this fragmentation. And I believe that if there is the fruit of a negotiation is a national government unity that can act, it will not have the difficulties with the militia, it will have difficulties with the criminal organization. We should never forget that while we are talking about these things, there are criminal organizations are prospering. And, and, and those will be hard to deal with. M much harder to deal with the criminal organization than with the various fragmentation of militias. Karim, uh, in this line, actually, there is a question about um, what might be the best format and space suitable for future negotiations and game to the Lib Libyan conflict. Which party do you think is best positioned to convene it, to, to put it together? The options are a strong agreement between Turks and Russians that forces each side to, to come to, to terms. And this is, I, I don't think it's possible, but it, it's an option. Well, I really believe that with, with more involvement of the Europeans, maybe the Americans, the United Nations will take again the lead. And they should take the lead with a strengthened mandate from, from with the agreement because they, they know they, they've lost, or the Emirates, or the Egyptians, or the Russians, and to try to find a, a solution. I think that that is the only, the only real possibility. Yeah. Same as before, but with different dynamics. But, but I will say one thing. When, when, when after the attack of Haftar, foreign diplomats and, and the politicians were saying there is only a diplomatic, there is only a political solution, there is no military solution. I always said, no, there has to be a military solution to allow for a political solution. And we are, gonna, we are seeing, seeing this. One of the two sides has lost, has, has to understand it will never prevail. At that point, you can have a political solution. At that point, you, can, you have created the hurting statement on the ground that would allow for negotiation to, 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 to be held. Until that moment is reached, you will not have negotiation. And in fact, it's been like that. We are talking now seeing now the possibility of negotiation because something on the ground has changed. There has been the military victory of the GNA temporaneous, I'm not sure it's them, eh? that forces the situation to change and allow for a political outcome. Thank you. Uh, there's one more question. You mentioned earlier the UAE, you know, wanting to uh, confront or oppose any kind of Muslim Brotherhood uh, rule. And I was tempted to ask you, if GNA is somewhat aligned with the Muslim Brotherhood, but I kept it because uh, I wanted to give more time to questions. But uh, there is a similar or, or a question along those lines. Uh, how important is reported Salafi support to Haftar's coalition politically and militarily? Can you kind of talk about this, the role of Muslim Brotherhood as well as the Salafi groups for each side? Uh, 
the Muslim Brotherhood in Libya has, not, has never been very strong. So it's uh, a limited power. And, and all those who talk about the Muslim Brotherhood will take power in Libya, all the, the rumors that those are conspiracy theories. People who have the obsession of the Islamist boogeyman, they see Muslim Brotherhood all over, and, and it's not the case. It's not, it's not the case. There are Islamic groups, there are Islamists, but it's not as powerful as it was in Egypt. In Egypt. There's no way. There's no way. And, and, and the Salafi who are, who are, who are in, the, in, the, in the Western part are as radical as the Salafi who are for fighting for Haftar in, in, in the Eastern part. There isn't, there isn't this Islamist conspiracy, the, the, the narrative of Haftar that the Tripoli is run by Hispanics. It's, it, it, it's, all, it's all an exaggeration to say, to say, to say the least. Talha, I know you wrote a report on countering uh, extremism uh, in Libya, uh, uh, but you have only 30 seconds to, to address this question. <laughs> Good luck. Well, I think, uh, I mean, uh, Muslim Brotherhood's influence was coming from Egypt and Tunisia. So, and there is never strong, you know, Muslim Brotherhood presence in Libya. However, there is an increasing influence of, uh, you know, Medhali Salafis in the uh, eastern part of the country. So they're, you know, getting stronger in the grassroots. And there are also Salafis in the western parts of the country. So I think, uh, and also in Sirte, there are some uh, elements. So it will be very difficult, but I think there is enough moderate actors that can be mobilized to run the country. Uh, if uh, we can limit the influence of external powers like Saudi Arabia, UAE, supporting them. So if we limit, constrain them, uh, their external support, I think there is enough moderate actors in Libya that can run the country, you know, comfortably. Thank you, Taha. Last question to Karim. Uh, whatever happened to Libya's sovereign wealth or heritage development fund, could it not be used now to stabilize the situation for the local people? You're talking about the Libyan Investment Authority, the DIA. Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, I believe so. That's, that's, that's any, uh, another issue. All, they don't have liquidity. They, they, all their assets are invested. So the, the, the idea of using, utilizing the DIA for, I, I'm not sure that that is a possibility that can be done. It has to be defended and to be kept. Okay, so um, thank you for that. Uh, outside the Q&A box here, um, there was another, there were some more questions under comment section. Uh, let me just read them to you, but I'll give you each a minute or two to conclude. Uh, not necessarily respond to every question, but uh, one of the questions is, following Russian steps in Syria with blatant airstrikes against civilians, do you think Russia will do the same in Libya, or is it more likely just a posturing issue to force a stalemate and political negotiations? I think we've answered largely yeah, this question. Um, can't one make the argument that the U.S., by not picking sides, is best positioned to lead negotiations as it has allies on both sides? And can we see a Turkish US-supported negotiated agreement with Russia or an ex escalation of violence and more war? If so, what's Turkey's guidelines for its policy? So um, I think we've largely answered these questions, uh, discussed them, but I wanna give you each uh, one minute uh, to conclude. I'll start with Talha and then go to Karim. I think uh, for Turkey, I mean, we have critical interests with both Russia and US in Syria, and we don't want another, you know, zone of conflict. So the better option for Turkey is to coordinate negotiation process, political process with Russia and US. So I think that would be better option rather than increasing, uh, escalating the situation uh, because of the Libya. So I think that would really uh, balance the situation. Uh, so that's the preferred option. Uh, I think I don't want. I don't know how uh, you know U.S. wants to engage in the Libya. So we don't really uh, see the direction. Uh, but it seems that 
they are concerned about increased Russian presence, so which may help, uh, you know, uh, to counterbalance the negotiation process. Uh, I think I see it's a positive thing. So the U.S. involvement, not militarily but politically, may contribute positively to negotiation process. Thank you, Talha. Karim, last. I word. agree. I, I agree with Talha, word by word. That's that's the the preferred solution. A negotiated solution with the Turks solidly in, in agreement with the Americans and the Europeans, possibly bringing them in, dealing with the Russian, the Emirates, trying to find a solution that they, that they have provoked with their military intervention positively and, and try to find an agreement that can move forward and, and possibly resolve not only Libya, but explain and clarify the international chessboard. Thank you very much, uh, Kirim Mezran of Atlantic Council and Talha Kyose of uh, SETA and Ibn Haldun University. I think this has been a fascinating discussion. Uh, as I said at the beginning, uh, Libya is not a very familiar place for a lot of people, but uh, geopolitical uh, competition in the region is actually happening at the moment uh, in Libya. So it was very helpful and uh, um, important to understand these dynamics. I want to thank you both very much uh, for joining the session and uh, and thank talking you. to our audience. And uh, hopefully, we'll we'll continue this discussion in future events. Thank you so much, and I want to thank, thank our uh, attendees on the Zoom call as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.